0: So we've got the topic at hand of old age, sickness and death, and the spiritual seeker as well. Um, And I thought, as I was kind of pondering this a little bit, uh, I think there's definitely uh, correlations about how these reflections uh, fit into the Four Noble Truths themselves. Uh, And I'm going to assume for the most part that most people have some uh, basic familiarity with the Four Noble Truths, uh,
1: which will probably become more apparent as, as I talk if you don't have that familiarity. And thought, uh,
0: basically we need to start where we are, which is uh, the first noble truth of the, of the truth of dukkha uh, or unsatisfactoriness, sometimes more strongly translated as the truth of suffering. Uh, that uh, there is this quality of of dukkha in uh, our existence, human existence, living in sangsara. And you know the Buddha defines, talks about dukkha in many forms,, uh, primarily uh, dividing it up into into several different kinds, but two categories in particular, um, the the dukkha or the difficulties. Uh, the unsatisfactoriness inherent uh, in having a physical body and a mind uh, and the fact that you know we're sensitive beings and uh, we receive a lot of uh, contact uh, with the ex- external world and the internal world and some of it is very pleasant, some of it is mildly pleasant, some of it is neutral. Some of it is mildly unpleasant, some of it is very unpleasant. So we've got a full range of experience just being sensitive human beings. And the unpleasantness um, uh, can be profound sometimes. And there are certain conditions that are part and parcel of being a human being that we can't avoid. So there's, in you know, in some cases, there's an unavoidable sense of... Um, difficulty or things that we'd rather not have to experience. Old age, sickness and death. (laughs) The other kind of dukkha is um, more of our uh, mental response patterns uh, to the first kind uh, of dukkha. Um, The wishing it wasn't like this, wishing it could be some other way only wanting to be with comfortable experience, pleasant experience, uh, uh, those qualities of, uh, of resistance and wanting things to be other than they are.
1: That's the kind of dukkha that the Buddha is talking about in terms of being able to release ourselves from the grips of the uh, famous buddhist line pain is inevitable but suffering is optional it's a good one to remember so the first noble truth uh there is a dukkha
0: um has a duty to it all the four noble truths have a particular duty of how we need to how we should respond to release ourselves from from the second kind of suffering And the first noble truth, the duty of uh, the truth of dukkha is the duty is to understand it fully. Um, So we can't kind of just jump to release and enlightenment by following a a certain path that doesn't acknowledge uh, the existence of uh, those conditions, um, uh, which are inevitably going to cause us Uh, unpleasant experience uh, and then the resulting reactions against it. We can't avoid looking at that uh, and and jump to uh, Nibbana. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. Um, So fully understanding means fully exploring uh, and not just on a conceptual basis, but on a real heartfelt basis, a real deep basis of looking at the truth of, of uh, what it's like to be in a body and having certain mental activities, <clears throat> and not trying to pretend it should be otherwise, not wanting it to be
1: otherwise uh, than it can be. <clears throat> so the truth of old aging, sickness and death, um, let's take a look at that.
0: Um, and, yeah, the the society, this culture, um, and, you know, much of the world over is really oriented towards uh, avoiding looking at these kinds of things. You know, we warehouse, you know, that's kind of a harsh word in, in a sense, but uh, we try and put away um, these reminders, uh, squirrel away these reminders uh, from uh, general view, general experience, so that we don't have to really acknowledge them, all the, the signs and signals and um, uh, ways that media presents uh, and touts uh, uh, youth, um, health, beauty, um, and particularly not attuning much to the fact of... of uh, of dying, but, you know, really kind of uh, being very life affirming, uh, which has some positive qualities to it, but often rooted in the denial uh, of the fragility and the temporary nature of having a human body uh, and all of its um, intellectual capacities that go along with it. Uh, And. Yeah, the messages are really strong and they're very tempting to believe. but I think that all of us recognize that, uh, I mean, we wouldn't be here if we didn't, uh, that there's some uh, uh, falsity to that. It's, it's all just a, uh, you know, in some ways trying to support a, a fantasy uh, that uh, uh, has only a nominal truth or a temporary uh, truth to it, uh, you know, not denying the uh, blessings of, of youth, energy, uh, vitality. Um, health uh, and, you know, not trying to say that we just need to, you know, succumb (laughs) to uh, the misery of life without trying to, you know, keep uh, causes and conditions uh, supporting uh, health and alertness, Uh, but not obsessing ourselves with it and realizing that this is just a natural organic kind of a process that follows certain laws of nature um, and we need to just open ourselves to that because if we don't we just kind of keep living in this delusion uh, this self-supporting delusion of uh, you know health and vigor and use uh, unrelenting uh, and not looking uh, at the fact that Around us looking at around us and seeing these heavenly messengers and that was part of the Buddha's uh, initial uh, inspiration for uh, beginning his search was um, is partly legend and, and uh, developed in later commentaries and partly based in his reflections in the suttas themselves about uh, his recognition that um, Questioning himself, um, why, uh, when I myself am subject to birth, aging, and death, why do I seek stability uh, and refuge in that which is also subject to birth, aging, and death? Why don't I try and find some sort of path that uh, leads me to release Uh, from birth, aging, and death, and will take me to the deathless. So there is that reflection uh, on those three qualities um, in uh, the Buddha's own mind as he embarked on his uh, journey. And then part of the mythology around it also is is, um, that he went forth uh, several times from his well-protected life as a prince uh, in the... uh, in the um, uh, environment that he was uh, living in, in the palaces that he was living in, part of a uh, warrior noble family. And on his excursions out into uh, the world around that protection, uh, he saw uh, the sights um, of an old person uh, walking along the street, crippled, hunched over towards the end of life. And um, was shocked and surprised uh, in this rendition of the tale, um, and used that as a uh, a wake up point. You know, it's like ah, you know, old age exists. This will happen to me too. And then subsequently, the same with uh, seeing an ill person lying in the gutter, very ill, suffering. Same kind of realization. Ah, this could happen to me as well. And the sight of a corpse, uh, a body that had lived its life out and was just uh, lifeless and realizing the same thing for himself uh, as uh, the end of likely the end of his existence. So these were all eye openers that uh, he used as inspiration uh, to go forth. And it was the sight of the fourth heavenly messenger, the sight of a a Samana, a spiritual seeker. that, realized, that made him realize, oh, okay, maybe there is a path uh, that will take me beyond this uh, form of suffering uh, into something that's more um, long lasting kind of peace, long lasting refuge, the sight of the Samana or the spiritual seeker. So roughly these, you know, um, Reflections that he was going through correspond with the Four Noble Truths, the, the first and second noble truth of suffering and the cause of suffering. And then uh, the sight of the spiritual seeker being associated with the fact that there is a path uh, leading to the end of suffering and actually that it can actually be realized uh, fully and completely. That's the potential that we have. So the four heavenly messengers point towards uh, uh, the
1: existence and the cause of dukkha, and the path and the fruition. So the first step: understanding and fully understanding, and coming to some acceptance, because
0: it's the it's the holding it in. Um, kind of keeping it quiet, keeping it secret, keeping it not looked at that causes us pain and difficulty. The truth is what we're all seeking really, isn't it? And you know, the old phrase, the truth will set you free. So once we've kind of opened up uh, to the reality uh, of the limitations of human body and mind and the transiency, once we've really accepted that and, and explored that, Uh, then that opens up the door to something uh, that's more sublime, more um, long-lasting, and ultimately leads to to complete freedom. But we have to go through that process of recognizing uh, and owning up to it uh, before we can release. So the first place to start is really with this human body, because so much of our energy is spent... Worrying about it, concerned about it, trying to avoid the realities of it. Um, uh, All the ways we look towards uh, uh, establishing uh, an identity around it, uh, making it uh, attractive, uh, using it for um, pleasurable experience, not to negate uh, the fact that there can be pleasurable sense experience, Um, but just to recognize and look at the transiency of it in no long time uh, when, as we're 20, 30 years old, um, how fast that quickly passes uh, and uh, the difficulties of uh, aging and and illness uh, start to visit us much more frequently. So accepting that as a reality, Ajahn Chah, uh, one of his... uh, frequently mentioned phrases was uh, die before you die and referring to allowing the sense of um, self uh, and holding and clinging uh, to die away before the physical body and the mind uh, deteriorates to the point where we are forced into, uh, into having to recognize that. The more we can plan ahead, the more uh, easy uh, it will be, the experience will be for us in the present and in the future. So die before you die. That's what we're looking at uh, in this uh, first and second noble truths. And he used to also greet people coming to the monastery
1: to Wapapang, first thing he'd greet them with was, have you come here to die? (laughs) In the figurative sense. So let's let's spend a few minutes just kind of considering
0: this. Uh, And if you find yourself depressed after after a few minutes, just remember that this afternoon we're going to be focusing on the second part, (laughs) the release from it, enticement to come back. So just sit quietly for a moment and let's start with the body because that's what we're so strongly... uh, attached to, and then we'll move into the, some mental experience as well, but get a feel for, you know, our, how we hold this body,
1: not just physically, but how we hold it in our consciousness and how we become so disconnected from it and
0: see it in an idealized kind of way And allow ourselves to just open to the truth for for a bit of time, open to the realities. Many of us are moving along the um, treadmill of life and getting towards the middle or latter part of our years and have some firsthand experience of how the body changes. Others who are earlier on the treadmill, um, or conveyor belt um, uh, can just look around and see, uh, <laughs> take a look at the rest of us, <laughs> realize that it's not that far along down the line. And so it's wise to to bring that into focus now, uh, as the potential as the Buddha did when he saw the uh, the holy messengers, heavenly messengers. So just noticing... It's so subtle sometimes over time, we kind of get lost in the blur of the the subtlety of it, but all the ways that the body ages, the thinning of the hair, the graying of the hair, losing hair where you've had it, gaining hair where you haven't had it. (laughs) I I hope Alistair will excuse me, but yesterday when we were driving back from the airport (laughs) chatting about this, he said, yes, I've been you know, realizing that um, I have an increasing number of gray hairs growing out of my ears. <laughs> and then he said, to make matters even more worse, when I went to pluck them out, I realized that my
1: vision was deteriorated enough that I couldn't see them. <laughs> so keeping these things in mind, yes. <laughs>
0: the sagging you know that happens around the eyes and the jowls and the settling of, by years of gravity loosening up the tissues not something we generally look forward to happening but pretty much happens to everybody and the the, the deterioration slightly over time of the sense spaces like the uh, the vision decreasing Uh, Hearing, going, changes in taste and enjoyment of food, all these kinds of things, you know, what some people call the indignities of aging, but
1: are really just the realities. Indignity, you know, is a word that means we're not, um, that we're resisting, that we're thinking somehow it shouldn't be this way.
0: But if it shouldn't be this way, it wouldn't be this way. So this is what we come to uh, learn to look at and accept. And the the, uh, deterioration of the the skin over time, thinning and um, the the loss of muscle mass as time goes on, uh, as much as we exercise and try and keep it fit and healthy. Uh, Bones and joints get arthritic um, or uh, start to
1: deteriorate in some way. Bones get thinner. Can be subject to fractures. Everybody knows either of themselves or or
0: of other people who have uh, joint issues, bad hips, bad
1: knees. bad spine, all the problems that can happen with the lungs and the heart, digestion. Just about any organ in the body, any place in the body can develop some sort of malignancy, even in the blood. So the host of uh, diseases is, is really endless. Mm. I had a, a bout with uh, cancer myself about 15 years ago and mm-hmm.
0: ostensibly I'm cured and my, my um, reflection is as well. Okay, I won't die of that, uh, but that will leave me open to about 100,000 other possibilities. <laughs> I'm down from 100,001 to 100,000. <laughs> so
1: there's something that's going to uh, come along. And we've done such a good job
0: with medical care these days of helping to shore up the internal organs and reduce heart disease and things. But then we are left carrying into old age uh, a heap of painful bones and
1: sinews and muscles that uh, we haven't quite found all the cures for yet. So doing what we can to, to keep care of the body and to
0: keep it healthy, but not getting obsessed about it. Um, so easy to get into feeling like we have to have the absolute perfect diet. How much energy do we put into controlling what goes into our uh, mouths and stomachs? Uh, and we're very fortunate as a Western culture to have many choices along those lines. but. Um, It can become an obsession. Do we want to spend our whole lives controlling all the finest points of everything possible um, to the point of obsession? Or do we do what we can do reasonably
1: and realize the body gets old, the body gets ill? Probably a number of us have had COVID despite the
0: vaccinations, you know? We don't have so much control over things like viruses and bacteria, illnesses like that.
1: So just realizing we're sensitive human beings, we've got a body and it's gonna have problems. And as we come to accept that, there's a certain peacefulness, really.
0: And the same with aging. if we don't rail against it, if we don't resist the inevitableness of aging and illness
1: and death, then there's this potential for a such greater ease of being,
0: because uh, we've unmasked uh, we've unmasked the truth. We're seeing things the way they are. We're not pretending
1: it should be otherwise either, either very consciously or unconsciously. So really, in a way, these uh, causes for dukkha
0: of old age, sickness, and death are really our
1: friends because um, they point us to a deeper, a deeper truth. That's why they're called the heavenly messengers. Wake us out of our complacency,
0: give us a sense of urgency to use this life to the best of our ability to find a greater and more stable sense of refuge, happiness, long term happiness beyond dependence on, on a physical, physically healthy body and a, and a physically or a, a mentally uh, healthy mind because the mind deteriorates as well. You know, some of us are extraordinarily uh, fortunate uh, to live uh, well into older life with fairly intact mental faculties. It's unusual, but it does happen. Uh, Actually today is the 100th birthday of Ajahn Pasano's mother. He's up in Canada now with her uh, on this day, uh, celebrating that. And she is incredible. She's like you know one in a million in terms of her uh, you know, some physical deterioration, but uh, mentally very sharp, um, very very unusual. Uh, but we can't all hope for that. Uh, we all know many more examples of people whose faculties, mental faculties, start to deteriorate, and many of us are. Um, much more fearful of mental deterioration than we are of physical deterioration. How many times do we hear other people or ourselves say, "Well, I can deal with you know physical illness, uh, but when my mind goes, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be around. I want to check out. I don't want to have to experience that. Uh, that kind of fear of loss of uh, control of our uh, mental faculties, very." Very big, but truth is that that can happen too. And that can happen regardless of um, our spiritual capacity, our spiritual development. Even Ajahn Chah, you know, well-regarded as having completed his practice, uh, had 10 years of physical and mental deterioration before he passed away uh, and had various forms of uh, cognitive decline where he uh, would make no sense to <laughs> when he would speak sometimes and uh, and uh, but it was just purely the intellectual capacity as governed by the brain that was manifesting itself
1: it had nothing to do with his heart uh, and his uh, freedom from suffering so to
0: allow ourselves to investigate that too. What would that be like? Can I be at ease, fully at ease
1: with a thought process and a communication process that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever? Can I be okay with that? The alternative is to not be okay with it, (laughs) but that's not very satisfying. So, as the Buddha says, you know, um, there are two responses
0: that we can have to uh, uh, to suffering. One is to resist uh, the truth of the matter and create more suffering, or the truth or we can follow the other path of using it as uh, an inspiration to seek away
1: from that second form of suffering that we don't need to experience, the spiritual search. And death, you know, this, is, this process is
0: not going to go forever. Um, looking towards uh, our final days, our final moments. Um, good to explore. What is it that if I can imagine myself on my deathbed, taking my final moments uh, of breathing, What is it that I'm going to be holding on to? What is it that I'm
1: clinging to uh, that's going to be hard to let go of? Is it the physical body or
0: the mental experience or friends and family? I remember doing a death visualization many, many years ago with a volunteer training group uh, participating in that. Kind of to my surprise, it wasn't as much the physical body um, or mental processes as it was letting go of connections with people, friends, family, that was sort of the
1: most heart-wrenching. So what am I holding on to? What do I want to let go of before that moment happens so that I can exit peacefully? So to bring that into reflection sometimes periodically,
0: bring yourself to that point of
1: your last few hours and where you want your mind to be. Can you let go of your body? Can I let go of my thinking and rational processes of the mind? Let go of my attachments to people. Because where we're going very soon, none of that will go with us. What will go with us? Well, if you
0: consider the idea of uh, you know, continuing life uh, experience, rebirth, that kind of stuff, then what we bring with us is our unresolved attachments, our tendencies towards wanting, our tendencies towards not wanting, aversion, our tendencies towards confusion. We bring a whole set of tendencies with us, whether it goes into another life, if if you follow that, or if it just... (laughs) kind of fades
1: into oblivion. What do you want to take with you into that moment? You also can bring along the tendencies towards wisdom and goodness, kindness, patience, all of those internal qualities that are skillful ones. If we haven't
0: completed our work totally, uh, then uh, we can bring
1: some good good ones along with us too. So asking ourselves, what do I want to take with me? What do I want to leave behind? And we have to do it now. Because when the time comes uh,
0: for us to to make that exit, um, the energies and the capacities are going to be much more diminished. It's hard to
1: start then. So considering old age, sickness, death
0: right now gives us, if we really bring that to our hearts, we'll create a sense
1: of urgency This life is short. How can I best use it? And once you really start delving into that, I guarantee you'll be a lot happier.
0: (laughs) You know, again, it sounds kind of daunting uh, maybe, or maybe a bit of a downer, but again, it's that, it's that truth, you know, and that acknowledgement of that truth that brings real freedom. And then, you know, if you, if you can come more and more and more to accept that, then the ease of, of mind, the ease of well-being,
1: and the ability to be present uh, for others as well, uh, just grows. So let's just uh, sit another couple of minutes quietly with these reflections.